It's life on life's terms. What's up, everybody? It's the Life on Life's Terms podcast. I'm Tom Robinson. And uh, grateful recovering addict. Uh, like I always say, we're not affiliated with any 12-step program, although we do endorse them, we do love them, have benefited from them. Um, and we're social distancing. So, yes. Anthony, could you just hold that right there and turn, yeah. turn the blade towards the camera there? So right there, I got six and a half feet. Yeah. Six and a half feet. So, Chris. Yeah. Are you good at catching stuff? Kind of. There right. we go. See? See, we're right. construction guys. That's what we do. Yo, got the tape. <laughs> Let's go. Where we at? That's that's six foot right there, so, so comfortably yeah. six and a half. Yeah, that's man. The, so, right here. Because COVID can't jump that extra six inches. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll, I'll keep my opinions to myself. We're on, all good. It's on all that. Good. Life is so good. yes, we we are trying to do the as best we can. That's why, in the in the post, you can see that like the cameras are so far away. Yeah, normally we're not like this. We try and all fit at one table so that you can probably see our facial expressions and dude, it's a good thing stuff. we got this big room. Yes, we I know. Able to do this. Yeah, not not in the other room we had, we wouldn't have been able to. Right, we didn't have en- we didn't have enough room. So yeah. grateful to be here, um, and. At a like, newer it, it would be a lot, yes, at a new way. It, it would be difficult to try and do this with masks on, I think. Oh, my um, God. But well, if, that, if, if that was what we had to do, we would do it. No problem. And fair um, to say, the uh, opioid epidemic is probably killing more people than the... <laughs> yeah, tr- yeah, this is true as well. This is why we're doing what we can't do. Have, uh, can't um, have, you can't have fun without fentanyl anymore. It's just in everything. You I would, just geez. before I came here, it was... Uh, a video I seen it was uh, the Sinaloa cartel make, making fentanyl. Yeah, gross. Really? Yeah, they just dropped millions of dollars of chemicals in the ocean with the GPS tracker on it. People go and find it, take it, and, and they're, they're just making it, making it in these big giant pots that you would cook like stew or or broth. And Rogan had a guy on who dove deep into the where they get it. Like the the, the precursors are made in in uh, China. Yeah. And you know the legal, they totally legally export the precursors to it, and all they got to do is mix them together. Yeah, well, these guys were getting the chemicals just like dropped in the ocean. Yeah, I mean, who knows what I it mean, was? But did they have their, you know, chemistry degrees on display. Or? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, right. Probably- so you can you can find our audio podcast at <laughs> lolterms.com. Please Sounds subscribe. like that movie with Tom Cruise, the American Maid, when he was smuggling for the CIA from. Yeah. You see that movie? The Tom, it was like a couple years old. Yeah, I think so. Based on true events or true facts or somewhat. Um, so tonight we have uh, Tony. Hey. This is a, a friend that uh, Tom got to be our guest today. Um, hopefully he can help us with some technical stuff as well. Yeah, uh, some advice and whatever. So, he yeah, like we're, we're just normal people just mm-hmm. trying to put on this podcast and doing to it help as, people. as best as we can. Um, Free and for fun. I know there's a lot of people out there that, you know, are producing, like, amazing things. But I think ours sounds really good for for what we have. Sure does. This Mm -hmm. this Facebook Live stuff was like an afterthought. Right. We we had planned on just being audio. And then one day I was like, I started, we started with the the iPhone. And we were propping it up on things. And and then got, you know, a stand and we're. You know, going live with that, and you know, I, I think it helps. Um, but our audio podcast is mainly why we did this, and that's at lolterms.com. Right. It's on all the all the podcast platforms, and it sounds good. Yes, it does sound good, um, and it's unedited. We don't do anything. We don't change anything. We don't add anything. That's right. Um, it's hundred you know, percent unscripted. What, what you what you hear is is in there. You know, uh, real 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 and raw. So, Tony. Yes. You uh, originally are from Seattle, you said? I'm originally, uh, well, uh, like a, I was born in North Carolina. Mm. My, oh. dad, my dad was in the Air Force. I lived in Texas, California, and most of my life in Washington State. Oh, all right. Uh, greater Seattle area. 
Um, and then I, uh, I had an option of uh, sticking around. And I optioned to go to the Minnesota and try to fight alcoholism. And uh, I figured I'd, you know, there's, there's a church every, you know, so-and-so feet. Like there's a Starbucks in Seattle or a Walgreens in Chicago. There's so a lot of churches I, in Minnesota. A lot of, a lot of churches, different yeah. denominations. And I figured I'd be a safe bet. I can detox. I can get my head straight. I can figure something out. And it just didn't work because I found out there was two liquor stores within like a quarter mile radius of where my mother lived had her house and her property and i was like well i can figure this out over a couple of drinks and see what happens and, <laughs> and then what at what age was was this going i on? was 40 i was 39 and so uh, you were mostly alcohol strictly alcohol i would say like 92 percent uh, alcohol and eight percent other stuff yeah okay. i wasn't really my thing to be you know into narcotics and such I never right. thought marijuana was a narcotic, and that's, I've always felt that way, and I still do. I don't do. think it's considered a narcotic. Yeah. I've always felt that way. Yeah. Um, but booze, yeah, booze was my... Uh, my um, Achilles heel. That yeah. was my uh, vicious cycle for years, decade, two decades almost, and I didn't know how to stop. I tried, I mean, I've, I've tried to... The depression that that monstrous uh, liquid can give you is just so aggravating to the people around you and your family and your friends and the bridges you burn and uh, yeah you have it, yeah it's, it's sometimes an amends will not cover the damage I have done and it's and I don't want to live in those resentments and regrets every day because I feel that I made enough amends when I was realizing the fact that I would rather be alive and sober and clean than to have such a destructive train of thought every day of my and, life. And I'm sure it didn't mm. start out that way when you first started drinking, um, oh, no. like most people. It's fun. But we, we people always forget alcohol is a depressant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, when, when the fun is over and now you, you need this, this depressant all the time, every day. It's like um, codependency. Yeah, it's it's vicious and you know yeah detox from alcohol you can die yeah, yeah. I, I i listen here i'll show you guys right now look at this see that right there that wow, is from like a uh seizure i had going through withdrawals on day two of my withdrawals yeah wow. i tried to detox myself again which you it's impossible if you just think you can just drink water or nap it out sleep it out sweat it out look man you're gonna get the jitters the delirium jitters all that that they talk about in the big book you know these things are real they will happen to your body your body doesn't know what to do it will your body's in like this strange kind of vortex of it doesn't know really what's going on with you right now and it will like it's almost like a shock treatment in a sense and i i remember what, and I broke my shoulder from a seizure, from an alcohol withdrawal seizure. Oh, you just broke it like on the ground or something? I was taking a nap on my mother's couch. I was watching Law & Order SVU. Kind of got hooked on that when I went through my first surgery with my hip and pelvis, alcohol-related. We'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. All right. And um, I took a nap because I was gone day two. I was I couldn't like go up and down stairs. I was having so bad jitters that I didn't have the means to get any alcohol i was i was too afraid to even walk to the store and like fall and trip and it was just bad like it was day two of just like you know binging and just trying to like clean up let my uh my internal organs do the filtering system that they naturally and organically want to do and um i woke up to an emt putting me back on the couch and i the story goes that my mother was not supposed to be home she was a hospice nurse, and she came home, and she had a, a cancellation. Like the the patient went to the hospital instead, or and she was in her bedroom. She heard a thump. She was like, came into the living room, and there I was having a seizure. She called nine one one. She did all the appropriate life saving things, like wow. grabbing the wooden spoon from the kitchen. Wow! And uh, I got lifted up, went to the hospital, and uh, and it's one of those miraculous moments where it's like you know I think it's. You know, you need to, like, pay attention of how dangerous my intake was because there is somebody, and if you want to call your higher power, God, the universe, whatever expanding 
uh, is something was watching over me and it was kind of an eye opener that there was something far greater than me that does not want me to die. Mm. And that's yeah. how I felt about it. Call that a God shot. Yeah. And <laughs> you can't, you can't realize that until you like look back on it. Look, yeah. But you know, hindsight is right. twenty twenty. Yes. But I, in my stupor and my utter, you know, my defiance to all things that, uh, potentially good i uh, you know i i didn't realize how lucky i was when i was hearing these stories about uh, my mother's point of view about being in my the hospital with my hip and pelvis surgery you know and like how i woke up during surgery and it snapped all the pins and clamps on me and they had to cut me open and restitch me all back up wow. and reclamp me all back up she was in the emergency you know the surgery room uh, with her years of being in the hospital, medical field, they tried to get, shoot her out to like some family room. And she was like, listen, I've been a nurse for 40 years. I've seen everything. You're not going to tell me. What, that's my son. And they were like, they backed up. This is what she told me. My mom can, she can talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she can talk. I mean, I'm a professional line cook, you know, and uh, I can talk very rudely unapologetically my oh, mother yeah. in the medical field can do it very stern very shrewd and very to the point where you just have no it's best to just let her just stay right there and watch the operating go down mm. and she wasn't going to budge and uh it's a funny analogy i like to pinpoint back and forth it's, it makes funny it's funny in my head because i felt it dealt it lived mm. with it um it's, i have strange dark humor uh so I woke up because I was still going through withdrawals with my hip surgery. And I, so I wasn't. Oh, really? They, the anesthesiologist hit me in, and it wasn't enough to keep me out when they were going and doing my surgery. So I, I've experienced oh, all these wow. things because my body didn't know what that was going inside my body. Because when, it was, when you're going through your withdrawals, your body is fiending for some more alcohol. It wants that so you, thing. You didn't tell the anesthesiologist the extent of your drinking no. and the extent of the the uh, withdrawals that you were going through. No, I, I, and, I was a liar. Yeah, yeah and, of and course. You woke up in the middle of surgery. In the middle of surgery. So that yes. is a cautionary tale if I ever heard one right there. You don't want to do that. I mean, yeah. there's certain times, to be honest, and when you're in front of a doctor, that's one of them. Yeah, I mean, and it's crucial. The medical field, crucial. I mean, they're, they're not supposed to judge. Does it happen? Of course. Yeah, yeah, they sure. Took their but, I mean, oath. it doesn't matter. You, you, I've always believed that. You know, you never, you never lie to the doctor. You never lie to the cops. Like that's one thing that I've always believed in. But for some reason, I just, I was in so much bitterness and hatred, and my objective, my, my perception of reality was so jaded and just jagged and just ruined like i just didn't like anyone i didn't trust anyone i hated the entire world i had no respect for mankind like that's how far deep my alcoholism was i just yeah. did not care about anyone's feelings or emotions all i cared about was my selfish self and how i'm going to get my next drink that's all i cared about right mm -hmm. how fast can we get the hell out of this hospital so i can go drink because this place is, gives me the creeps right <laughs> and, and you're there because of yeah. drinking. And they're there because of drinking. Right. You've heard the stories before Insane. in meetings, you know. People OD on their, you know, mainline drug of choice. And what do they do? They they get out of detox rehab and they're shooting up in the parking lot. Or, or they, get, they get out of the emergency room and right they go there. get more. I had a friend. Or they oh, yeah. do the stuff that they still have left. In Florida, yeah. I had a friend. And he said he had his dope man come over when he was hooked up to his morphine drip and hook his heroin fentanyl nonsense and... I'm to his drip, just like that, in the hospital in Florida. And yeah. He survived. Yeah, he's still alive. He's a good guy. He's a professional fisherman now. Wow, doing good. <laughs> he he has the right to see his boy, so he's doing something good. That's yeah, great. Right. Yeah. That's good. Uh, that's good that's the thing too. Like, it doesn't matter really what you've done or or how, how bad far, you think you are. How far down the path you've gone? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's, you can return from everything pretty much. Pretty much. Um, yeah, uh, there's, except a, a grave or a life sentence without yeah. parole. <laughs> and I mean, there's there's lots of things to be done. Uh, there's, you know, meetings are only going to get you so far. Step work's only going to get you so far. Yeah. Um, you know, so these are these are facts. Yeah. Yeah. So you uh, we, we we you left uh, Seattle and you went to Minnesota thinking you were going to get yep. sober, but that didn't work out. Didn't work out. What happened then? Um. I worked at an ethanol plant. <laughs> it 
I'm not making this Brilliant. up. Brilliant. I cannot make this up. This is, <laughs> That's like me shooting heroin and getting a job at a pharmacy. <laughs> uh, so I was a cook operator um, for ethanol. Uh, in fact, an ethanol plant. You know who you are if you're listening. You got raided by the feds in 96 or something like that. Yeah. This, mm. these. I'm not making any of this up. Call Winnebago, Minnesota and check my... Uh, do a fact check if you want to. You know who you are. Um, I was I couldn't figure it out. My brother flew me out to Boston because I love Boston. I've all when I first came out to Boston about 2006, 2007, I was doing some culinary interning and I really wanted to like move out to. I fell in love with Boston within five minutes. Wow! I really, I've, since I was a child, I've always had this 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 connection, this love, this admiration for Boston, Massachusetts, and I you huh. know. I'm learning Pretty about the cool. tea party when I was in the third, fourth grade, and uh, right, Sarah Palin. You know, Those right. dudes are badass. And they threw tea in the water. <laughs> was, I'm going. There. It was something different because I was, I, I was, I've always been kind of a little rule break and defiant little cuss. You know, I've always mm. kind of been like that. I, my favorite ball player of all time is Ty Cobb because he didn't take shit from anyone, and I huh. fed into that kind of ideology, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, my younger brother used to wear this uh, Boston Red Sox hat when he was just a kid, and he was in love with Wade Boggs. That was his hero. And uh, so, don't trade having... Wade for getting laid. <laughs> and I've always <laughs> just this little like quips and nuances or whatever pages in history of presidents. You know, this, something about the whole Boston Massachusetts thing. I just felt. I just kind of liked it. You know, yeah, I've always it is, liked it. It is a very historical life. city. It is super historical. I love it. I love every. The best decision I ever made in my life was moving to Boston, Massachusetts. Nice. And nice. Uh, I'm going to be here for the rest of my life. I don't plan on going anywhere else. I'm going to die here. I'm going to retire as a cook here or a chef or a restaurant owner, whatever and my that, sobriety does. Not the future trip because you're not supposed to do that when you're in recovery. But I'm not going to go anywhere else. I'd rather be in Boston than anywhere else in this country. Lots lots nice. of restaurants, food, cooking. The like, scene yeah, is incredible. Sure. I used to eat yeah. here. And go back to the states and like guys, we're, we're Seattle, Washington, man. We're a seafood city. Why is Boston? I just got back, and they're basically kicking our ass and saying you're not good enough. But that's maybe the Boston <laughs> mentality, whatever. But we, you know, we got to step our game up, boys. You know, so we we've always I've always been around great chefs and great cooks that are not afraid to you know push the envelope and test the boundaries. And that's what I I'm all very fortunate to have been worked in certain kitchens in the pacific northwest where i had leads and sous and sauciers and chefs and just other cooks of all walks of life that had this awesome integrity and uniqueness that made it special why well, wow, i never wanted good. to get another job do anything else I'd, there's no point to get another job i've got everything I ever want with these awesome weird strains eclectic weirdos just like me yeah, yeah. <laughs> right dude the only um Interesting, the restaurant that I can like, bring comes to mind when I think of Seattle is at the top of the Space Needle. They got this restaurant, yeah, and it swivels as you're yeah, eating slowly. And and yeah. in the summertime, there is mountains, beautiful, huge mountains, 360 degrees. 360, you can see them, yeah, the Cascades, all over the place. Cascades and the Olympics. Cascades, yeah. Olympics. I mean, Mount Rainier is is in view. It's snow capped year round. It's just gigantic. Mm-hmm. It's right. it's so gorgeous. And I remember eating there, and it was like sunset, and oh, just I can't even explain to you yes. how beautiful it is. Uh, Unreal. Yeah. But I mean, none of that matters if you don't leave the bar. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. You put the alcohol put the alcohol in your mouth and the glue comes out of your ass and you're stuck yeah. to that seat. Yeah. <laughs> Hoping the ESPN reruns will change. <laughs> right. So where'd you go after Minnesota? I oh, you came um, to Boston. I was um, um I had enough I would work. I wouldn't even spend my paychecks. I would just put them in my dresser drawer, maybe go cash one here and there. And uh, I was uh, I was drunk. I was my I was staying with my mother. She, you know, she was doing something out of you know she didn't have to help me or anything. She was like you know, but she didn't want to let me go. Like she she knew that if I stayed in Seattle by myself, I would drink myself to death. And that's I. Right. Gotta say, I gotta agree with that, because I had, I had, I had no ambition. 
But I was hammered when I made the phone call. She kept pestering me and pestering me, and I said, I'm not going to Florida. I have nothing but bad things to say about Florida, and I still do, even though I, I did go to treatment down there. and I did meet some good group of guys and, uh, that I still stay in contact with. And, Jared, if you're listening, I'm on the air. Uh, <laughs> like I said, all right, Ninja. Uh but I met a great group of guys, but I was hammered. I was just one day I was in, I just couldn't take it. I was, I had, uh, I get these 32 ounce bottles of Phillips vodka. I hate war stories. And I just slugged it and I said, I looked around at what I was doing. I'm 40 years old. I'm a wreck. I'm a piece of shit. I have nothing. I'm not in the culinary industry anymore. I missed that life. I, don't know what's going on. I have nothing to my name except a bunch of paychecks I haven't cashed. And mm. I said, I texted my mother and I was like, make the call. And that was it. And I just proceeded to get That's a moment of surrender. That's my moment of surrender. So, I, so now uh, this is after treatment in Florida? or This or? is before. This is I'm still in Minnesota. Mm. It was after my 40th birthday. Mm. And I just got back from Boston. And I, my brother flew me out there for my 40th Um that was the last time I ever drank on Boston's Massachusetts soil. Uh, was April, the week of April the 14th through the 17th. It was the last time I drank alcohol in Boston. And I thought about that and I was like, well, do I really need to have this? I mean, it was just booze every day. I could not stop, man. I could not quit. And I just, I couldn't do it anymore. I just did not want to anymore. And I said, I'll go to Florida. I'll go to the worst place. And I thought about this for a couple of days, uh, drunk. The worst place I can think of to get sober is to go to the place that I don't want to go. If I have to go to hell to get sober, then by golly, I'm going to I'm gonna fucking go to Florida. I'm gonna Sounds hate like every willingness. Second. And I did. And, yeah. uh, I wanted, and I went down there. Uh, I talked to some dude. I went to detox down there. And, and one... And I went down to Florida like May, uh, May 19th, uh, May 11th. I actually, I got it in my big book. Um, May 11th, uh, touched down in Florida, went to detox immediately. Yeah. And, uh, went to a house, started going to IOP and. IOP, and I, what does that stand for? Again? Intensive outpatient therapy. Intensive outpatient oh yeah. Therapy. Yeah. yeah. Or a program. Program. Yeah. IOP. So I had like six. Program. Yeah, okay. um, it's it was because a, that's that's what all the treatment centers are down there. It's it's they put they, ninety days down your throat in twenty eight days. It's it's yeah. You, they they have a house expensive. that you stay in. They have a house that you stay in, and oh, then yeah. they have a van that they pick you up at and they bring yeah. you to the IOP, which mm-hmm. is treatment. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. once IOP's over, then they send the wolves. you. They send you off, dude. I went go to, to meetings, Florida. A sponsor. I went to treatment in Florida too. I didn't didn't stick, but it was still good. <clears throat> Uh, um, it was uh, the Sally Salvation Army. There's lots of lots yeah, of controversy I, about what was what's going on down there. There's people, you know, one guy got like 22 years for the way he was running his operation. He mm-hmm. had like he had like girls really? yeah. locked in their sober house, like yeah. doors screwed shut where they Patience. couldn't. They, they busted a place in, uh, and and he uh, would like just keep them there because you know they're they're billing insurance God, and, and they're whacking insurance for like 20 wow. grand 30 grand 40 grand you know and, wow. and, and like i know people up here that you know they, they were given incentives like listen you want to get around all right i'll buy you a scooter i'll, I'll drop 600 bucks on a scooter because i'm making five grand off you staying there so wow you know it's worth it you need a few bucks i'll give you some money you know Jeez. it was because they wanted people to 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 stay there and the numbers to go, you know what I mean? It's just yeah, tragic. A place in Lantana when I was in Florida, they got really. popped for human trafficking. It was a tra- trap house, a sober, quote unquote, sober house, but mm. it was it was a place to do drugs, right? And they just uh, this was like this. They claimed to be a sober living environment, but it wasn't. It was just a place to prostitution and drugs. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And, and That's they, awful. you get kicked out of your halfway, what they call sober houses, halfway down there. You get kicked out of there. You go to these trap houses where you can get high, and you know. Say you're living in a sober house, but it's all BS. Florida is a joke. Anthony, could you give a little juice to my mic, just a tiny bit? A little juice. You're yeah. on three. I'm watching the, uh, I'm watching yeah. the, um, the levels, and it ain't good. <laughs> uh, you're a little bit. There in, uh, green lights better. are popping up. There you go. There we go. That's better. Yeah, yeah. It, it was this, and it still isn't straightened out Thank down you. there. But they're they're 
the powers that be are trying to get involved and, and straighten it out. Um, you know, it's it's difficult. Unfortunately, you know, well, actually, it, it depends on how you look at it. It's a business. Getting people sober is a business. Yeah, but and the it's most, a very, very lucrative business. But the most successful business or the most um, yes. fulfilling business is the one that actually provides the most value. You mm. know, obviously, these people are trying to do something really shady, and that's why they get 22 years in prison. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean, it's not, uh, you know, I mean. Yeah, it's, it's you know, there's people see dollar signs. You know, all they right. see. there's a lot of people that they'll get involved. They'll get involved in it for the right reasons in the beginning. They're just different. But that money, man. when you, when you see these these checks coming in, and all the all this insurance starts paying and paying and paying, you know that that changes people. You know, I've it, it, unfortunately it sucks. Yeah, that that happens. So you must have ran into some uh, some good people down there. There, I was very selective on who I made friends with. Uh, but the people running the treatment that you went through. No, they're just, they're a different kind of pimp, a different kind of dope man. All they want is their cash. That's all they want. Oh, really? They try to regulate. you got to go to meetings. you got to be home by curfew. But every Friday, you got to have my 200 bucks. Yeah, right. you got to have my money. Yeah, exactly. That's all it is. You got to yeah. take a UA if you fail, you're out. But you got to, you ain't getting your deposit back. That's my money. It's all about money like you a urinary analysis and yeah, you yeah. could i mean it's hard to save money because there ain't no jobs down there you, you work at a call center which is bogus uh, you know i worked at a oh my god i worked at a food truck jobs it's, in Florida. Oh, it's awful man terrible there is there's the number one fr- florida is so terrible that fraud everywhere it's yeah just, it's just a fraudulent state altogether yeah I worked. I got paid cash at when I worked at the food truck out out in front of a brewery in Boynton Beach. You know who you are. Um, I'm not going to say their names, but I will. I don't care. Um, (laughs) Cash every day, no taxes. I didn't pay freaking taxes in all of 2019. I didn't get no stimulus check, no anything this year, no COVID relief, none of that stuff. You know what I did? I got out of Florida. I stayed sober. Got into a halfway. Three days later, in Boston, I found a job and I went to work every day. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. That's called discipline daily schedule. And you learn that in treatment. So if you are in treatment and you want to bolt, just don't hop that fence. Don't walk out the door. It's gonna suck. The food is fattening. It's sugar and it's cholesterol and it's just there to like give you substance. Yeah, right. Treatment centers have a strict curriculum that is necessary for you to relearn the stuff that you have forgotten of what it is like to be sober. I learned more in that that treatment center than I did in seven months in Florida. So I can't be Mm. all that bad about Florida being terrible, but you know what? I don't like you, Florida, and I don't ever want to. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, there's... (laughs) There's certain places down there that were doing the right thing, and there's places that weren't. Oh, and, when I and, was there, was there was great AA in in, in uh, Sarasota, Florida. Bra- yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of Bostonians that go down to Florida. Great AA, you know? Jersey, really yep. good people. And, I mean, yeah. and you can meet all all of them down in in uh, Naples and. Like yeah. you go to you go to Naples and there's probably just as many Boston police down there as there is up here. <laughs> <laughs> They're just retired. Yeah. You know? Well. You know, I remember there was a meeting out on Siesta Key uh, on the beach, sunset meeting, uh, you know, pretty cool stuff back then. I, I enjoyed it, and I stayed sober the whole time I was in Florida. I I uh, had a buddy that was a union guy. He'd get laid off every winter. He would get laid off, and he'd go down to Delray, and he'd rent a sober house. Mm-hmm. And they'd say, hey, you got to get a job. He'd be like, no fucking way. I make more on unemployment in Massachusetts. <laughs> than I would ever make down here. Yeah. You will have your rent every week. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to um, go to meetings, do what I need to do, yeah. and I'll pay you your rent. Every, and it was like vacation every every winter. He'd be down in Florida. I like the only... Yeah. I like the 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 meetings I went to in, in Delray with uh, my buddy that introduced me to uh, the big book, how to read the big book, how to underline NHPs and highlights. And we used to go to this AA 
and he was a speaker and I got up there and I did the podium stuff you know the um, doctor's opinion you know the prerequisite before the meeting I know it was a good oh, yeah. it was a good place I liked it it was in Delray it was cool it was right on the bus line I can go there hop on a bus go home to my house or I can get a ride back and forth you know it didn't matter to me I even walked home from halfway from meetings to my halfway yeah, they used to read the doctor's opinion before a meeting yeah. sometimes, right? Yeah, read the doctor's opinion. Well, yeah, read the doctor's opinion or read the uh, how it works. How it works, yeah, yeah, yeah. they do the how it works in the 12 steps and the 12 traditions and uh, go through all that. So great. It's and great it was stuff. cool. They had a, uh, you can get your 30, 60, 90, 120, 150, you know, nine-month chip. And, uh, and uh, they did a ship system, and that was pretty cool, you know? Yep. When you're doing treatment, they do the... Uh, the keychain system is kind of the same thing, but that's you get like a, an you know, NA thing. Yeah, a NA chain. thing is a keychain. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, but it's it's cool. Same type of deal. Is, you know, the, it's um, a little more useful than a chip, I guess. So I like, <laughs> I like well that you know how to you operate a chip when you get one from when you get your say your I do cleaner, yeah keep it in your pocket. Oh, keep it in your you, pocket. You yeah, use the ridges on the chip to go across your thumb and your index finger to remind you that you can earn this chip because you've been sober this amount of time. And oh, that's pretty cool. Blocks off that trigger for you to like you know stay focused on sobriety. I yeah. thought you were going to say if you end up in a bar, you put it in the drink, and if it dissolves, you, you can, can have drink the drink. It. <laughs> drink it. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard that. Uh, I've heard that myth before. So now is. Florida, the only place that you've been to treatment, or had you been out and say Seattle I've been, as well? I've been to detox centers in Seattle, but it was I've been to the drunk tank, of course. Um, but yeah, I've yeah. never been arrested. I don't have a record. I've always been King a, County, yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> James Street. Uh, but I've only in Florida. But I I've tried to self detox myself, and it just it's impossible. Yeah, you don't want to do that, especially on yeah, alcohol I mean, or benzos. Oh, you can, no, you, man. If 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 you weren't too far into it, like it's possible, mm-hmm. and people have done it, but yeah, it's not recommended. But that's like, not what I you're. Could, but but the problem is, you can stop it. It's it's the staying stopped. Mm, it's yeah, it's right. it's that fucking little voice in your head that's like, come on, man, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Come on, yes. just a, just enough. Come on, just a shot. You'd be good. Well, once you, you once know? the medications wears off, you know, yeah. the alcohol being the medication, then life sets in. Then you're and stuffing you're like, your face oh, with everything you can get your hands oh, on to no. take that feeling away. Yeah, yeah when the 73rd hour comes up, it's time to well, here I can walk up and down stairs and go down to the store. Yep. By <laughs> the way, I need a pack of cigarettes, and since I'm here, might as well get a bottle yeah. or yeah. six or whatever. I mean, want. it's not going to do when you just not- when you just felt like death. You know, but you forget that as soon as you walk across that threshold of the fucking store. I was such a conscientious uh, drunk that uh, those just to if I locked myself in my apartment, I knew it had got uh, you know my direct TV. I got Law and Order. I got my laptop. I got a ton of movies. Um, I can plug my HDMI cable from my laptop to my flat screen. I got movies. I'm I'm set up. Mm. (laughs) And I know that I've got a bottle of brandy in my house somewhere. I just got to find it. There's always that bottle of gin because I hate gin, but I always had gin because I just never drank case. it. Just it was always that one that I, <laughs> ugh, I you knew it gin. would be there if you needed it. it. Yeah. The logic of Zip an Ziploc bag. Guess where? In the upper decker. There it is. It's always in the Ziploc bag right there. <laughs> always and forever. <laughs> Top shelf that shit. That whiskey that can't hurt you if you drop it in some milk, right? That's oh, always. Yeah. <laughs> so I even that tried to do it like Earl Grey tea, water. Um, but that day two, uh, not even 48 hours into it, that's when that I remembered I got that bottle of brandy. Christian Brothers. I know where it's at. Slug it back. And then for I can go to sleep, but when you wake up, it's like, you know, the... Those, the terrors the, are back. That thick, stormy headache, hangover. You, you just feel like rusty, m- miserable garbage. Yeah. Awful. And you try to do it all over again, but or I'd space it out so I didn't have to feel so. But once I get to that certain inebriate level, then it's like, oh, I, well, I can slug the rest of this because I know I got the bathroom gin, and I know I can just wait a minute. I can slug this confidence, walk down to the store, come back. No one will ever notice. Yeah, you know, my <laughs> yeah. cat will still be asleep. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> shit like that. Yeah, like, dumb the, stuff like that. That we the think, lies that we tell ourselves. You know what's we funny bleep. about Seattle is, I mean, it starts raining end of September, mm. doesn't really stop till April, right? Uh. And 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 I remember because and everything comes alive in the summertime and there was all these festivals and and everybody's out and you're doing stuff i mean you're going to the mountains you're doing this you're doing that that's what we were like and then when it comes around the rain comes back it's time to head back to the bars what are you going to do you go back to the bars i mean it it was like it was brutal you know oh i'm sure what year was that that was the 1992 that was was a good time no that was the good music times yeah we we, well we were musicians and there was fun if you recall there's those Seattle had that uh, um, they were very good at booking shows national touring artists you know local artists in that September to December time month you know because that's where and to draw people into those bars and those small clubs and those venues you know they just grew and grew and grew and like restaurant industry the fall and the winter that's the busiest time for us because we were always packed full like we never had a dull moment and there was you know, you don't want to be outside because it's like always crappy and raining. So you want to go inside, but you don't want to. Yeah, you know, you you want to go out. You can't be staying at home all the time. Where do you go? You go to the bar. You go to the restaurant. Yeah, yep. there's that one local band that sucks, and they suck so bad. You just got to go see them to see how bad they suck, and it just turns into <laughs> like this pop thing to do. Like, let's go see the shit band. You know, the shitty yeah. Beatles or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Are they go see the dung Beatles. I remember going to the open mic, and there was a guy with a kalimba. And we're like <laughs> a what? A kalimba. It's like a. It's like they got those prongs that stick out, and you just king, king, ting, ting. No, oh, like a, a mouth harp. Uh, it's it's. Uh, oh, it's just, <laughs> I know. Bow, I know bow, what you're talking bow, about. Bow, it looks bow. like a. It's round. It's got yeah. these like a wooden teardrop in these like yeah. center these little tins that have like the different little A, B, C, D, yeah. E, F, yeah, D, yeah, you D, just flick them. B minor, and I'm like, you know, we're all just getting drunk, and we're like, isn't this the part where the big cane comes out? Yeah, <laughs> come on, man, let her rip. <laughs> How fast was, can you play that thing? <laughs> I was in, I was, I was in treatment, and uh, this is, uh, I had no uh, in arts and. Uh, music class they had that instrument you're taught that wood instrument the kalimba and i swear i could figure out how to play nutshell from alice in chains on it because it had the notes right there but it was like ding 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was trying to figure it out because i don't know just i was getting sober and i didn't know how to be sober that's one thing about when you get yeah. sober it's like yeah, you forget man. how to be normal well so you You've never been normal. Yeah, for 20 years, you know, I was like, holy shit. People, I'm, people, I smart. I actually am smart. I think people tend to, <laughs> to fuck with themselves way too much because they're like, I don't know what to do. Okay, well, you've never been here, so how would you know what to do? This, this, right. is, a, this is a whole different person. You well, don't know who you are. It sounds like, Anthony, you were uh, started drinking in your 20s then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because you were saying uh, almost two decades. Yeah. And you right. got someone who's forty. So most people uh, that we have on the show usually it's thirteen is the age. Mm-hmm. But you you were a late bloomer. I was a late bloomer, but I remember being a child when my dad would have his Air Force buddies or cop buddies over for game night. They play cards on the dining room table uh, during the summer. Had relatives over. Like I'd get my dad cores. You know that's what he drank. Couple I'd, sips here and I'd there. I take a swig out yeah. of it, but oh, I never yeah. liked it. I just wanted like my dad to, hey, my son. It was, yeah, right, it was the eighties, right, by yeah, the way. Yeah. In the eighties, it was different. You know, you can get your ass spanked in the restaurant or Target or Kmart, and it's, exactly. it was, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's not in this, you know, PC or what's going on now. It's like you want to have, give your kids. My friends talk about this on, you know, the reason why there's. Sometimes you need to just give your kid an ass whooping. You know, the kids that Generation Nexers, you know, we grew up getting spanked. That was just, it wasn't frowned upon, you know. And so, like, Listen, my drinking. friend's moms could whoop my ass. Yeah. Like, if I got yeah. out of line at my friend's house, yeah. their moms had permission to fucking straighten yeah. me out. So, like, drinking a first drink of my dad's beer when I was eight, like, sure, you know, I felt cool, whatever, but at I didn't think of it because I had G.I. Joe's and Nintendo. And, like, that was my thing. Yeah, yeah. Baseball cards, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Back when, you know, you can go play Bad Dudes at the arcade version. and you know. But also, also, you probably left school, went home, and your mom or, and dad were working. And you could, you could be home by yourself. 
Yeah, but you know, we, at, at we, 12, uh, 11, 12 years I old. I was the second out of four boys, and my older brother was, you know, he was always the alpha. He was always in charge. Like, we did homework, and we, we got to watch cartoons, and then we'd do uh, homework, and we have, go, you know, they call, our parents would come home. Like, he was, a, you know, he was the leader of the They call the that the caretaker. Yeah, the yeah. Care, that's right. I learned that as well. Yeah, the caretaker. Yeah. Yeah, so that was his role. He knew how to do it. You know, he... And so we'd have all that way we would be rewarded with playing Nintendo or like, you know, going outside and hang and play with our friends and run you our earned bikes. things, you earned things, because that was that was the norm. That was I've, what we thought was normal. That's been that's been like topic of discussion a lot with me and my girl lately. Like, um, you got to, you know, I, I had to work for everything that I had right. as a kid. Like I wanted new school clothes when school was starting. I had to save up my money and go and and buy them because mm-hmm. I, I i was raised by a single parent you know she didn't have the money to just go drop two three hundred bucks on clothes so i'd go to the store put a layaway on pay it off you know i had paper roots i i, I yep. did I, I mowed lawns i did whatever i had to do to make money yeah that's what my dad yeah. did for us he taught us how to mow lawns and chop wood we you know yeah uh, whatever the neighbors wood. needed yeah shovel and driveway man i haven't seen people shovel a driveway like kids used to walk around with shovels. I make three, four hundred bucks on a snowstorm. Yeah, we did that. Yeah, you we know, do the weed whacking and shovel out the areas of the front lawn for the sprinkler system. Yeah, you know, we we learned how to do that at a young age. Like I knew how to cast a reel and put hook up and put a weight on a fishing rod when I was like nine years old. Like it was, I didn't. Th- and when nine year olds and eight year olds and ten year olds weren't doing that at my age, I, was, I always thought they were like. How can you not know how to do this? Like, what is wrong with you? Like, yeah. You should have learned this in second grade. Like, I, I remember 16, 17 years old. Huh. I had a license. We knew that when it snowed, you could go up to the Brockton Hospital and make 25 bucks an hour for shoveling. Who wants we, to go up to Brockton Hospital? I, we, we went up there on a Thanksgiving. I must have ate three turkey dinners the whole time I was there. Mm-hmm. And, and the old man that we worked for, he, he would have us outside shoveling for about half an hour, then we'd go inside for like 15 minutes, go back outside for half an hour, go inside for like 15 minutes. But we <laughs> we worked, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and like, did the money always go towards good things? No. no. That afforded me a lot of opportunity to, to get things that people wanted and and have them right. hang around me, you know, because right. that uncomfortability or, or that feeling feeling different, you know. And that started early. We were talking before this started. How you said you wrote everything down from fourteen to forty-one? Yeah, like junior high. To I don't jun- from junior high from junior high to uh, treatment. So like you're trying to figure out what caused yeah the all of this to the happen vis- the vicious right. cycle. Like yeah, where was like, the missing link in my life that there made was me something want- some type of uh, and I'll say it again. We say it every show. Some trauma, which. It, was it trauma? A, a trauma doesn't have to be something crazy. A trauma could be you waiting at the ball field for someone to pick you up and they don't show up when you when they're supposed to be there. That's uh, that's a, a trauma, trauma is, is something that you perceive as a trauma yeah. as a child. Sure, it, it, you know, and, I, and and I and I can say that I worked at a very young age as well. But you know, I I um, I didn't turn out. Oh, I didn't have an easy road. Yeah, <laughs> didn't do too good. You know, yeah. I had a lot of problems, and and uh, and that's the thing. Like this, you know, this deep I, trauma work. There's this, there's a lot of things that that you can delve into. To you know, it the the literature I've read. It, you know, it says underlying causes and conditions. Alcohol is but a symptom. That's right. Yeah, or that's, alcohol is your solution to life. Pr- pr- uh, you know. Sub, yeah. uh, substitute your addiction of choice. Yeah, whatever it may be. Alcohol, heroin, yeah. friggin' food, gambling. scratch tickets, gambling, yeah. sex—it doesn't matter. It, it, it all, anger. all of those things, anger affect the same area yeah, of the brain. Anger is probably at the top. Maybe parents divorced when I was twelve. Um, I was always found not having a father figure and taking advantage of my mom raising four boys, and I had that uh, itch to be rebellious and uh, like a you know I was. Do you think it was uh, attention that you needed? That was my, I've said this no, a million the, times, attention was my first addiction. I didn't it? care if it was good or bad. It because was friends I had in the sixth grade, and it was all about being cool right. and impressing girls yep. and yep. playing baseball. And, and doing crazy shit so people would like, 
Yeah, and doing who can be the most outrageous, and you know, as long yeah. as yeah. So except if it made the probably. girls laugh, it, you know, you were in. I got friends in this when I was in Covington. I lived in Kent, Washington, actually. Kent, uh, Covington, yeah. yeah, down there, Lake Meridian, and I shoveled freaking snow in the park and that whole apartment complex i did that you know we used to hustle uh tip gratuity at the bowling alley to keep score back when you can actually had to keep score yeah uh, right, the, right the league bowlers would come in they'd slap down dollar bills and dollar. you can walk out there with seven dollars having nothing in your pocket get on the list to take a score for bowling and you can walk out with 50 bucks in your pocket at 12 years old 13 years old mm-hmm. and those things like that made me feel good was to have that kind of money at such a young age to like you know buy you know a pair of adidas or a pair of yeah you know i had access to i the want air me force some base. shell toes i'm gonna go get them and i could go <laughs> to the air force base and not pay taxes because air jordans cost 98 dollars back in the 90s or we can go to Foot Locker and pay 120 150 bucks yeah right you know huh. so we had that my brother and i had that access to go to the base and and buy things like that and you know because i would hustle at bellevue bowl you know and i had same thing over at, um, uh, you know, doing, you know, working in the apartment complex, like shoveling snow, like doing sand and rock salt all, all yeah, over whatever, there, whatever breaking it up money. with a flat hoe, and then shoveling it up again. Like I did those things. Like I know what that's like. But when it came to like, I could smoke. I could smoke a cigarette was the first thing I did as a kid. Yeah, I smoked pot before. And I wasn't really much of a beer drinker. Like in high school, I guess there was parties, but it it wasn't really my forte. I mean, it wasn't. It was around. It, I just I had a beer or two, but I wasn't much. Of, I didn't really care for the taste of beer. It just so you like hard liquor. I didn't like any of that stuff. It, it you wasn't didn't start until he was in twenties. Mm, no, I'm was, saying when when you did become a drinker, it was. It I was, was a student at the Art Institute. I uh, was in audio production at the time, and I got a job at a restaurant brewery in Bellevue, Washington, and that was my introduction to fine crafted ales, lagers, and pilsners, and oh stouts, God. and brown ales. When and I went over there, dude, back here, you had like Budweiser and, and Bush, and you go over there, and it's like they have all these craft beers, yes. all these small Mi- little things. Microbreweries, like yeah. Microbrew, Red Hook, like Fremont. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> totally was, different. It was totally different. Yeah, and then. it turned it turned me around. It made it gave me that collegiate confidence that you hear about, you know. But I never was like that in school. I was always bookworm and highlighting and researching, hanging out with audio kids and mm. um, uh, doing those things and doing projects at school. And sometimes we'd hang out. But there was never like there would be like a six pack of Red Hook or whatever. But right. I wasn't like I wasn't reaching for it all the time because I was too busy trying to figure out how a Mackie eight bus console works to a two inch reel to reel and what the hell is a patch bay? Like, good lord, what would I get myself into? Yeah, yeah. And I'm learning all <laughs> this stuff because I've got too much going on in my. I want to stay focused. Mm. And uh, when I got this gig as an expediter uh, at this brewery, I got introduced to these. Uh, this whole it wasn't Budweiser. It was not like, Coors. It wasn't natural. It wasn't ice. It wasn't that crap beer that you see all over the place in stores and corner stores. It's like this brewmaster like put right. his as far as I knew whole like, artistic creative creativity into these beers, and I was blown away. Right. It's like a, it's like a movement now. Right. They said the craft beer movement. Mm. Well, I never even heard of it until I anything like that until I went to Seattle. And it was like pouring down my throat like a <laughs> style, you know. It's like, yeah, it's, it's it's it becomes a whole thing in itself, you know. It it's, does. It's, so then, you now you talk about being working in the restaurant as, and it just progressed from there. Yeah, I was. Um, I started out in the front of the house, and it just. Uh, for some reason, I just I, maybe it was drinking all the time, and I was. Uh, started noticing like a change in my personality like I was mm, mimicking I don't know kind of being a braggart you know mm-hmm. with the other servers and the bartenders and making it cool with them and being around that and I just I didn't feel comfortable but when I was drunk when I was having a few ales or wheat beers or burnt red ales and what have you's inside me 
even cast condition, I didn't care. As long as I had something in me to give me that confidence. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I was, mm. even at that age, I was still young, 20, 21-ish. You know, I didn't really start doing the heavy drink until about 22, really, in retrospect, 21. Um, I, I started just, uh, I just got persuaded to uh because the sous chef just didn't he saw my face he just saw how i was just a miserable like you don't like talking to people like you used to be this personable person like what happened why don't you come back in the kitchen i think you'll fit in back here and i've been in the kitchen for since 2000 the year 2000 pre 9-11 i've been in the kitchen and i never worked the front of house ever again i just felt more Accepted without having to brag about anything. Yeah, like rubbing, like being involved in those stupid stories that all the servers and bartenders are all involved in. It's like you know what? Fuck you guys. These guys are way better back here. (laughs) And and I was the opposite. I was always in the back of the house trying to get to the front of the house. Really? Because I was sick of cooking. You know, I started. I went to high school. I like the environment. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was insane working back there and. When I got sober, I'm like, I don't think I want to go back to cooking because it's one of like the, we we said the 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 friggin' drinks came back at the end of the night, free drinks. You know, waitresses always had had blow, or they had or they had pills, yeah. or they could get what you wanted, or so and so was coming by at ten. You know uh-huh. what I mean? It's one of the one of the professions that are uh, high rates of alcoholism. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I've got this all written down in my. If I ever come on again, I'll, I'll share them with you because I think you'd love to hear the Frontier Room stories. I'd love to share the Veal Stock uh, nightmare. That's 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 when I <laughs> the knew Veal that Veal Stock nightmare. I, that that it, that was the time where I realized that. Oh man, that, that when I knew I had a drinking problem is when the, that's. I like to share it some other time. It's, yeah, because you're you're, you're writing all this stuff down for like, vicious memoirs or. Yeah. or well, I've a just book. I've always been a writer since like the third grade. I remember my mother te- writing a story with me about a genie finding a lamp, and I I found this lamp and this genie gave me three wishes and I wrote this story with my mother in the third grade and I just started I wanted to write more stories my entire life and I kept winning all these you know monthly story things in elementary school. I just I've always liked the whole concept of writing you know i've always uh like my first book that i ever the first sentence of a book i ever read was war and peace by leo tolstoy and i was like first grade like what's the, the best first? of times rest of times that, <laughs> that was the uh, dickens uh tale of two cities oh that's tale of yeah. two cities yeah yeah and uh you know just i've always been fond of literature and music and uh my my read intake is vast and my music taste is all over the place you know i just mm. and it just keeps getting it grows and it, the more i get sober the more every day passing by the more that i just kind of don't i'll listen to pearl jam and soundgarden like i'll listen to the songs from the days of old like i love that stuff i will always have a place in my heart for that grunge era style of music mm. um but I've been getting to like flamenco, classical, Paco de Luca, you know, Spanish guitar. Like I've been jamming out to that oh, stuff. Yeah. You know? like, <laughs> it's pretty cool. I'm so down with that stuff. It's insane. Like I, I want to go get a classical guitar again and reteach how to play that stuff. And I've been growing my fingernails out for some reason. But I do, I <laughs> do miss music playing helps, guitar. Man. It does. Music it, helps. Just to go into a different world. It's like when I write. I have the ability to shut the universe off, the world around me, the physical world, mm. and just hone in on this, you know, my laptop or my pen and my journal and just kind of shut the world off. And I can do that. I know how to exactly do that. Safe to say you weren't doing too much of that when you were in your height right. of your addiction. Bullshit. Yeah. I was doing, I was drinking, popping pills, doing blow, doing meth, smoking it, doing anything I could to get my creative brain going and it was all when i go back even on, i've written on stories on mushrooms um, oh yeah. on lsd yeah, yeah, yeah. on mescaline and i've gone back and read that and go what is this gibberish yeah i had no right. idea like in my brain when i was writing all that stuff down i was like this is gonna be a you nobel prize it? right here <laughs> ever see the video drinking from cups no <laughs> uh, it's it's a guy who took acid and he's in a closet and his friends record him and then he's a cartoonist so after he does this he 
makes a cartoon lizard to go with all the stuff that he said that made absolutely no sense. I I, want to say that does seem kind of familiar. Drinking from cups. Look it up. It's it's hilarious. I don't know how, you know, it goes with recovery, but (laughs) there's um, a great recovery. uh, There's a lot of good recovery movies out there that they should show in treatments and residential treatment centers. And one of them was a great one with Joaquin Phoenix. Um, Don't worry, he won't get far on foot. And it's about a cartoonist from Portland, Oregon, who was an alcoholic who got into a car accident uh, and was paralyzed from the sternum neck down. And he was the cartoonist that um, the guy that wrote The Far Side. Mm. Well, the guy that was his competitor, like the that cartoonist. That oh, was the, I think I started watching uh, that. Yeah. It's it's got was uh, he, Jack Black's in it. Was he rolling around in a wheelchair? And he was like yeah. very angry yeah, about yeah, the yeah, yes. Yeah. I think I started. Yeah, watching it's that. it's a good it's a good movie. It's a good watch, um, yeah, and it's yeah. about how he came from it. You know, a trad something traumatic came yes. about in his life, and he became this famous cartoonist, and mm-hmm. uh, and that was his uh, accomplishment from battling alcoholism. But he was a wicked womanizer prior to. Yeah, to, he was terrible. He yeah, was he awful. was awful before the accident. Awful. Oh, yeah. He was just yeah. a horrible, philandering. And it's out scumbag. that it's out that way too, Portland, Oregon, or yeah. something mm-hmm. out that way. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah think, I think uh, I did see some of that. I think that maybe Schultz, David Schultz or Schultz, something like that. It oh, was the, the Peanuts. The, not no, no, no. no, no. It, was a, it was a guy that that guy's totally different. Kind of like the He's Far Side, kind of like that kind of cartoonish style, but it's mm. more dark. And he yes, was, he yes. was that artist that did that. Yeah, and it's yeah. a movie based on his life. And Joaquin Phoenix was a starring role. Yes, starring I actor. I know I've started Great movie, watching. You know, so hopefully you know we'll see. Uh, some some stuff out of you as you keep keep going, getting staying sober and uh, writing. Yeah, it's exciting. The future yeah, the, future can be exciting, and and sky's like the sky's the limit. The limit. Exactly, it, you can man. do whatever you want around here. You know, you want to be a doctor? That's fine. Just go to fucking medical school for eight years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, love, you know? I love to be on like radio, like podcast, and do voiceover work for. Uh, I get uh, emails about this all casting, and it's like voiceover work. Just come to New York, and it's. I'm like, well, that sounds inviting, but yeah, I've right. always been. I mean, I got that audio thing that I, I've always a little bit of a background, but I've always kind of liked the whole aspect of the audio technology and right. production wise and stuff like that. I've always, and I was talking with one of the fat guys I used to work with in Minnesota. He's like, why are you here? Like with your background and your stories and what you've experienced, why aren't you on the radio telling your stories? I'm like, because no one gives a shit about an alcoholic's stories. Right. Guess what? I'm on a sober podcast right fucking now. So <laughs> the so universe just, is real. God does exist. You I mean, put that yeah. out there and there no, <laughs> here we are now. Just like putting my resume out on Indeed into the universe. You know, here I am. Hi, my name is Tony Furland. I'm on the air in Quincy, Massachusetts. There you go. <laughs> and that was an hour just about. Yes. And uh, yeah, well, I mean... I'd love to have you back on. With, yeah, we with, usually with do. Your, a, we do stories. discussions. We'll have a couple people on. Yeah. Um, we'll we bring could, up a topic. We uh, could do something. We could have. We could uh, do some uh, stories. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be cool. But anyway. Yes. Thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing with for, us tonight. Thanks for coming um, on. We you appreciate know, it. it was, no problem. I'd, yeah, I'd love to return. I got. I got us some stories. Some good ones. I think the veal stock. Uh, I'm trying to like uh, bring some you know there's more to just like the stories at AA meetings like there's got to be some laughter and some humiliation in your life the things that they teach in the 12 steps oh I've been crying laughing at AA you gotta like just try to bring a little bit of you know unique antidotes to you know sobriety that it's fun to make fun of yourself and to laugh at your stupidity and your failures because you know what it is you, it can be. You still made it be. through it. There's yeah. some things that I'm like, oh, God, I can't believe it. Well, yeah, I did do that. Oh, yeah, man. right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, lolterms.com. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Like, subscribe, share. Um, we have YouTube. You can subscribe on that as well. We love um, you guys. Yes. Uh, and we got our social distancing going. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll do our best to social keep that distancing. keep that going um, so that we can keep bringing this to you and, uh, you know, we, we we love doing it, so we're going to yeah. keep going. Yeah, man. There All right. Go. Thanks again, Tony. You're welcome. All right. Thank Peace. You. Peace. Peace. I live in